Genesis chapter 12 verse 1. He said, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord has spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. I'm continuing my message which I titled The Ten Principles of Influence. It's very important for you to know, like I started, that it was God who came to Abraham and spoke to him and told him to leave his parents or his father's house and go to the land that he will show him. There are very critical things here I want us to observe. First of all, you will realize that it was God who spoke to Abraham. It was not any other thing. So when God came to him, he was able to respond to the promptings of the Lord and he obeyed. It is very important for you to know that before God can do anything in your life, you need to be able to be in agreement with him. Write it down. God can never do anything with your life until you agree with him. You'll be struggling in life and you'll be having a challenge as long as you you disagree with God. So in the book of Amos chapter 3 verse 3, God asked a question. He said, can two work together except they agreed? In other words, without agreement, there is no direction. There is no purpose fulfilled. There is no assignment fulfilled. So ladies and gentlemen, it is wanting to bind the devil. It is wanting to get angry with the enemy. But most times, check your attitude first with God. Because the work of the devil in our life is just to distract us from agreeing with God. If the devil will will be able to always make us to disagree with God, he has succeeded in his work. One thing you should understand is that the devil cannot stop your destiny. The devil cannot stop your assignment. The devil cannot stop your progress. The devil cannot stop your blessings. Take note of that. Most times we get, we think that the devil has stopped my assignment. No, no, no. The devil has no power because immediately God created us. He blessed us and it was sealed and recorded in the books and it was covered. The seal was on it and nobody can break that seal. The devil himself knows it. He can't alter it and he cannot change it. But what he knows to do is that as long as he can distract us from walking on the way of God, he will achieve his purpose. So it is not him that stops us from accomplishing our purpose. It is ourselves who are not able to accomplish. Because when God blessed us, according to Ephesians, he said, whoever God did, he blessed us with all blessings in spiritual or in heavenly places. When the blessings came upon us, and he realized in Genesis, he said that he blessed man, he made man, and he blessed him. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, in the book of Galatians, when we think we lost it in the Garden of Eden, in the book of Galatians, God made us aware that Christ became a curse for us, that the righteousness of Abraham will come upon us, that we may be the possessors of that blessing. He restored the blessing back onto us. So you and I, we are already blessed. There is no argument about that. But we struggle because we don't agree with God. Now, if you get to the hospital and you have to be at the theater and they wanted to sedate you so that they can be able to perform a surgery on you successfully and you said you will not agree because it is not in sync with your thought and behavior the doctors will have a challenge though they have to heal you they will end up destroying you because you are not in agreement with them in the same way if you realize it before god will create eve out of adam God had to agree with Adam. So he put Adam to sleep. If Adam was not in agreement, there was no way God could have brought Eve out of Adam. Everything and whatever we are looking for is already in us. And no one or no principal, no witchcraft or demon in your family or your background can stop you from bringing that thing out of your life. The only demon here is you and I. So get it right. Let us stop blaming people at the expense of blaming ourselves. So God from day one, he has put everything in place. And he has decreed that we should enjoy it and we should live in it. It was not God who has depleted the ozone layer. The temperature challenges we are having. They are saying that Amatan has extended. Yes, it will extend. Because man has destroyed it. We've destroyed our water bodies. Now there is all kinds of sickness in the air. It is not God who did it. When he created all things, he said they are perfect. The work of the devil is a distorter. 
So he uses us to distort it because we agree with him. And the book of Genesis tells us whenever we sin, we should not say that it's God who tempted us. Because God does not tempt us. But it is our own desires and lust that tempt us. Am I talking to somebody here? So first of all, you have to get this clear. That there is nothing God can do in your life until you and I come to the realization that I am in agreement with him. So he said, if you are willing, whenever you are reading scripture, you hear if. If it's a conditional statement, it's also a legal term. Say, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat what? The good of the land. The opposite, if I want me to say it, will mean that if you are not willing and obedient, you will not eat the good of the land. So it's not a witch. It's not a wizard. In fact, when you are in agreement with God, there is no witch or wizard under the sun who can touch your life. Get it right. If you are in total agreement with God, there is no principality or power that can dare even near you. He has no right because he knows his boundaries. And in the realm of the spirit, they function by rules, by legalities. So before the devil can afflict you, he has a legal right. So he steps into it and afflicts you. But until you give him that way, he has no right to enter into it. So when he got to God in the book of Job, he said that Job served you for nothing. You have built a hedge of fire around him. Anytime you are in agreement with God, there is a hedge of fire around you. And that hedge of fire, the psalmist says that there are multitude of angels that surrounds the righteous. At your gate, even in the house, there are angels guiding you. In your home, there are angels there. In your bedroom, there are angels there. In your car, there are angels there. Anywhere you find yourself, God by covenant, he has Agree that he will protect you and that is what he does. But you and I, it is left to us to agree. The problem with that is that we are not in agreement with God. We are in total disobedience and we run parallel against the will of God. And anytime you are not in agreement with somebody, you cannot get anything from the person. So get it today. If you can be busy binding demons, let us be busy to agree with God. Until we learn to agree with him, we will not be able to get anything from him. In Psalm 2, I said that, he said, he who dwells, he who, he who is conditional. It's not a finality of terms, it's a conditional statement. So, some can choose not to dwell. And some can choose to dwell. And look at the promises he made. He said, he who dwells in the secret place. A secret place is a place where you don't know or you have no understanding of. Of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the mind. So when I choose to hide in his secret place, then I can abide under what? Under his shadow. So if I don't choose, for the fact that I pray, does not mean that he will answer me or you protect me. Let's get it right. We pray, but we walk in disobedience. And when it doesn't happen, we say, God doesn't love me. I am stopping church. I don't love God again. I am angry with God. Wait a minute. God has never failed. From the day he created the heaven and the heavens, he has never failed before. It is man that has consistently failed God. Because we always think right in our own eyes. And he said, he dwells in the secret place of most high, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse number two. Then it is then that who speaks that I will say of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. What he's trying to say is that now when I agree to abide under the secret place or agree to stay under the secret place of most high and abide under the shadow, then I can possess God. That word, he is my refuge, is possessive. It's a possessive conditional term. Which means that I can say to myself that God belongs to me. And I belong to God. But until I get there, I cannot say I belong to God. There are a lot of us who call ourselves believers and say, I belong to God. But God doesn't know us. And God cannot protect what he has no identity with. Jesus said, when they were asking him, sure, I said, no, 
when you see me, you see the father. He said, what I see my father do, that is what I do. He didn't say, I do my own. What I see my father do, that is what I do. The question is that, what do you see your father do that you are doing? He told the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He told them that before Abraham was, I am. They said, you are blaspheming because Abraham is older than you. So you can't say before Abraham was, you are. He said, listen, you don't get me. The truth of the matter is that you are a liar or liars like your father, the devil. So the devil is a liar from the beginning and you have been a liar. So that is why you are. They said, no, no, no. He said, if you are of God, you will not seek to kill me. But because you are the devil, that is why you are seeking to kill me. You see, anytime you are in agreement with an opposing spirit, you always see everything wrong with God. So check it. Anytime you, you see things wrong with God, know that you are with an opposing spirit. But you cannot be with God and see things with God wrongly. So take note of that. From today, take it from me from this altar. Stop worrying your head over witches and wizards. Because they know where they belong. If you and I will be obedient to stay with God. When you step into that family house, they all have to run away. Do you have an idea that when you sleep, do you have a clue, angels, a multitude of angels that are around you? I will see of the Lord is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him I will trust. Now look at verse 3 quickly. That's not what I'm talking about. Surely he shall deliver you. The word surely there is not just anything. He's saying that I am vowing. It is a, it is, it's a, it's a statement of fact and truth and binding. Surely he shall deliver you. In other words, no matter what happens, once you abide under the secret place, once you are in agreement with him, he is bound at all costs to deliver you. Did he say you will do something before you deliver you? Is that what the scripture is saying? Did he say you will lift up your leg and jump and somersault? You see why we are being deceived every day? Because we are disobedient to the voice of God and the will of God. So we are substituting things with God. Yet God is not in it. We are worshipping creation at the expense of the creator. That is why all the mess and the confusion in Christendom and society is happening. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. In other words, the devil can get busy and put snares there. Put things there. It is not your business to get confused. Once you are under the hiding place of God, you walk through them and the next day he thought you are dead. He will come sit you sitting down and you are eating your banku and your kinky and he will ask you what is happening and you say what, what is happening? I don't know what is happening. Until he or she begin confessing, you will not even know he has even done anything. That is the power of Christianity. That is the grace of Christianity. That is the difference between Christianity and any other thing you can call a religion. It is not just coming to church only dancing and shouting and they're walking miserable on the street. When you go to sleep and they come attacking you, you didn't even know they came. You slept cool and you woke up. But they come later and say that, who are you? And you tell them, why do you ask me that question? They say, no, no, you are too hard. You say, what is it? He said, look, we have been everywhere, but you, anytime we come around you, there is something around you. Then you will know that you are really hidden in the secret place of the most high. Why do you think people go to shrines and consistently covenant to altars and they stay there? Then you come to the highest altar, which is God. Then you enter in with all kinds of attitudes. One leg there, one leg here. And yet when there are challenges, you want God to come and defend you. Even those that go to the juju people, do you think how that is how they deal with them? Tell somebody, look at somebody's eyes and check your attitude. You see, God is not a play person. God is a God of principles and business. If you are not ready for business, don't even bother God. 
He shall deliver you from the snare of the father and from the perilous pestilence. That is what he's saying. And he said in verse 4, he said, He shall cover you with his feathers. And under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. And verse 5 says, he said, You shall not be afraid. A lot of us are walking today, we are afraid. You even see cockroach, you are running away. You will go for an all night, not because you have a dream. And that dream alone will suck you to come to an all night. Yet you have never gone to all night before. Aren't you ashamed of yourself? Tell somebody shame. So you see people praying, traveling distances, pick out to everywhere, consulting prophets, drinking all kinds of water, not because of anything, out of fear. Out of fear. So because of fear, we have charlatans who are taking advantage of our vulnerabilities. Because we don't understand the word of God and we don't practice it. And the devil sits there and claps his hand and his laugh. He said, look at them. The worst part of it is that he makes us to fight ourselves. And he sits back and crosses his hands. He said, ah, they are fighting. They call themselves children of God. See the way they are fighting themselves. In Rick Jonah's book, The Last Quest, go and get it and read it. The revelation of Rick Jonah about the church is that even Christians, now the devil doesn't need agents again. Let me tell you, the devil has stopped employing agents. You know who he's using? He's using church people as his own instrument. That is the seriousness of the end time. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night. Some of you, you can't even sleep in your room if somebody doesn't sleep with you. Tell me. You enter in and you are shaking. There are some of you who are afraid to even possess things because you think when you possess it, they will kill you. Hey, pastor, you don't know my family, eh? You don't drive good car. If you drive it, you will die. So you can't even dress. You can't even do anything. Fear. Fear. Some of you, when you are even traveling, you are afraid. When you are, you are, you are walking through darkness, you are, you are afraid. It's like everything is happening. Even food, when you are eating food, you are afraid. Let somebody pass by you and incidentally drop something black or whatever it is. Hey, you will not even pass there again. Fear. But he's saying that if you abide, if you agree with me, that thing called fear will not be your portion. Say, Pastor, darling, things can. Yes, we see things, we dream about things, and dangerous, but we are cool. You know why we are cool? Because I know where I'm hiding. He said, You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day. I don't need to care about where my family is and witchcraft that I've gathered everywhere. Bible said that they shall surely gather, which means I can't prevent them from gathering. Hello. But he said, whoever gathers and is not of me, I will scatter. Give me, give me Isaiah 54. Let me show you something. That's not what I'm preaching. But this one, I think like, give me Isaiah 54 quickly. From verse 15. He said, indeed, they shall surely assemble. Other verses said, they shall surely what? Gather. So please stop worrying yourself and be sniffing around who is doing what and who is doing what against me. If you are not hiding under the secret, that's why you are, you are so suspicious of everybody around you. Behold, they shall surely gather. Any time they gather, they are fulfilling scripture. So I am not troubled about who gathers. I don't worry my head about who gathers. If you like, gather. He said, behold, they shall surely gather together. But not by me. Whosoever shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. So anytime they gather and they are mentioning your name because you are hiding in the secret place, Bible said that God said he will scatter them. I see God scattering your enemies as you make God your refuge. I see God scattering your enemies as you hide under the shadow of God. I see God scattering your enemies as you make God your refuge. Are you hearing me ladies and gentlemen? You don't need to be afraid when you hide under the mighty shadow of God. Your confidence is not in the money you have in your bank account. 
If that is your confidence, I am sorry for you. If your confidence is in the mansion that you have, for which you are boasting, then I am sorry for you. Because fire can rest, come in and burn everything to ashes. If your confidence is in the, in the cars you have, then I am sorry for you. But your confidence, if your confidence is in the Lord God Almighty, then I am here to announce to you, you are in the right place. Because God is the one that will secure you. They shall surely gather, but not by me. Whosoever, the weather you see, whosoever, in other words, it doesn't matter whether they are coming from Wasau, they are coming from Chebi, or they are coming from Nordic region, they are coming from wherever they are coming from. It doesn't matter what they are coming. It does not even matter what they are wearing. Say, Pastor, I don't. Do you know where people, some of us are coming from? Several shall gather together against thee shall fall for thy sake. And the verse 16, I'm showing you something. Behold, I have created the smith. In another verse, it said the blacksmith. I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire. Say the smith. Now, who is a smith? A blacksmith is somebody who does what? Manufactures what? Instruments or weapons. Can be shotgun, long gun, cutlasses, whatever. That is what they do. So they manufacture weapons. And God is saying that there is an angel that he God created. And that angel that he has created, that angel is not for everybody. It's for those that belong to him. And that angel has been designed purposely to create weapons for warfare. So God has an armory. He said, behold, I have created a blacksmith who blows the coals in the fire. Some of you quote this scripture and I'm bringing you to that place. Who brings forth an instrument for his work. And then there is a second one, a second angel said, and I have created a spoiler to destroy. So there is the angel that manufactures weapons and there is the angel that goes to destroy. And that is the angel whenever God, your enemies are becoming aggressive, God releases them and just one angel enters into a whole town, enters into a whole place and begins to uh, kill people and destroy on your behalf. Who is he that can stand against you? I release the spoiler on your behalf today. I release the blacksmith on your behalf today. In the mighty name of Jesus, you have more power than you think you have. For lack of knowledge, my people perish. When you don't know it, you walk around and you bury your head in shame and somebody threatens you and you're running away. Give me a break. You threaten me, you die before the day you even carry on your threat. The spoiler is there for you. There are scriptures you have no idea of. Listen. God is so powerful and has made us that he said, whoever we forgive... The person shall be forgiven. Whoever we don't forgive, the person cannot be forgiven even here or in the heavens. That is how powerful you and I are. Angels don't even have the power to rule or to judge. But he has given us the power to judge. Afraid of a little thing that happens. And listen to me. You quote this scripture every day. That's why I'm coming. Verse 17. Quickly. He said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Do you know why no weapon formed against you shall prosper? No, do you know why? Oh, come on, am I talking to you? Do you know why? (laughs) In the verse 16, the preceding verse before now, he said, he God has created the blacksmith who manufactures the weapons. So, if he, God has created one who manufactures the weapons, then which other weapon can somebody use against you that shall prosper? I don't know whether you are getting what I'm saying. So, any weapon they bring, weapon of, weapon of death, it shall not stand. Weapon of whatever shall not stand. Because why? You already have one that is standing by you who created a weapon. Listen. The manufacturer and the user, who is powerful? Now talk to me. The manufacturer and the user, who is powerful? So if God is the manufacturer of weapons, and somebody is picking that weapon to come and fight you, can he prosper? 
you, you, you don't get it. <laughs> Give me Ephesians. He said, Christ is the head of all principalities and what? <laughs> and dominion and thrones and everything. Now, if God is the, Jesus is the head of all principalities and powers, then what it simply means is that he's in charge. He said, far above, when you go back to verse, to go to verse 20, but I will show you something. Let me even use this one for you. Give me verse 20. He said, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above what? Principalities, power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also that which is to come. Give me Colossians chapter 2. That is where the scripture I'm looking for is. He said, and you are complete in him. Tell somebody you are complete in him. You are complete in who? And who is he? Christ Jesus. You and I are complete in him. In other words, once we receive Christ, there is nothing faulty about our life again. There is nothing weak about our life again. There is nothing fearful about our life. We are complete in him. So who is the head of all principality and power? Verse 11 says this. He said, in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands by putting up the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So the verse 10 says that. He said, we are complete in him. Who is the head? Say head. head. Say head. head. All principality and power. In other words, when I am hidden in Christ in agreement with him, before the witch in my village will attack, if Christ does not give him permission... He cannot attack me. I don't know whether you are still getting what I'm saying. In other words, before anything can happen to you, a child of God, your life, there should be an express permission from heaven for, for, for Christ to sanction it before that attack will come on you. But if it is not permitted, it will not stand. That is why when he got to Job, the devil had to ask God and tell me, give me Job chapter 1, quickly. Let me show you something. I'm on Abraham. I'll finish right now. Job chapter 1. He said, there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job and that man was blameless and upright. Take note of the word. Blameless and what? Upright. One who feared God and shunned evil. He feared God. Do you fear God? When we talk of fearing God, it is not about shaking at the presence of God. We talk about reverencing him, giving him honor. You come before his presence. Even the way you appear, the way you do things, it all shows that you respect him. When you go before the presence of a president or somebody noble, somebody high, how do you behave yourself? Is that when you are going to pocket yourself and be chewing gum? And then you stand there, they will gather you and throw you out of the place. Or when the president is talking to you, that is when you are fidgeting your phones. Who tells you? Even as Santini, you cannot appear before Santini in shorts. Or wear anything at all and appear in Manchia. They will bundle you. And if God is the king of all kings, and the lord of all laws, where is his reverence? Can you carry anything at all to Manchia said, I'm going to give to the king? But what do you bring to God when you come before him? In the book of Malachi, where you put things we quote because of this. Go and read the whole book of Malachi. God said, I said, you call me your father. Where is my honor? He said, you bring me things that are blind eyes and things that are bad. Will you take the same thing and go and give it to the kings of the world? There was a man and he said, it's evil. Verse 2. Quickly, he said, and seven sons and three daughters were born to him. And he said, also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large also, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the east. When you hide with God, prosperity, you don't run after it. It comes after you. <laughs> and the verse 5. Let me go to verse 5 quickly. I want to rush with it. Verse 5. So it was when the days of fasting around their cause that Job will send and sanctify them. This is how he does regularly for his children. Verse 6. I want to look at something. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. Don't deceive yourself. Satan goes before the presence of God. He goes every time to go and inquire of you. 
Who says you are a Christian? He knows he's lost his own already. But what about you and I? And so he also came and the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth. And from walking back and forth on it. In other words, I am always busy. I am not lazy. I am looking for those who are just walking anyhow. That I can snatch them. Because if the fowl moves out, the chicken moves out of the protection of the mother. The hawk has an easy meat. I'm moving. I'm moving. And the verse eight, he said, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? That there is none like him on the earth. A blameless and an upright man. One who fears God and shuns evil. God brags about us. If you belong to a parent and you do things well, they brag about you. So God brags about us to the devil. And when he finished, look at what the devil was saying. He said, so Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household? And around all that he has on every side? Take note. He's made a hedge around him. First, one. Personally, Job has what? A shield of protection. Two, because of Job's hiding in the secret place of God. And agreeing with God. God, by the sake of Job, has also built a hedge of protection around what? His family which is his household so you see you are serving god and your connection in agreement with god is not only to your benefit but it goes to the extent of touching your children and everything and he went on to say he said and all that he said also then around all that he has on every side in other words any possessions that you also have your car, your house is ensured and protected by God. That is the benefit. So then the devil is recounting to God the benefits of Job agreeing with God. Do you not see the benefit of serving God? And he says that you have blessed the work of his hands. His businesses are blessed. He doesn't need to fast and pray about it. He's blessed. And he says, the next thing is that, and his possessions have increased in the land. Prosperity, continuous prosperity. Influence. The guy has it. Because he's in agreement with God. Don't we fast and pray for these things? Don't we bind demons about these things? Say, God, protect my home. Do this and all those things. Is it not a wrong prayer? Oh, I'm asking you a question. Talk to me. Is it not a wrong prayer? You see why we pray wrongly? And we don't have answers because the secret and the truth is that he said, agree with me, abide. Now the devil is the one giving the testimony and giving the rundown. The enemy you and I are afraid of, he's now telling us who we are before God Almighty that this is the benefit of those who serve you. Look at somebody and tell the person shame. Tell the person shame. It's serious. And look at it. Look at verse 11 quickly. He said, but now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will surely curse you to the face. In other words, the devil is saying, I don't even have the power to do it. Until you, God does it. That's why Romans 8, 26 going to say that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to God. You see, when you hide with the Lord, there is nothing like calamity against you. He said, stretch out your hand, verse 12, quickly. He said, and the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has in your, is in your, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and started. Who gave the permission? No, who gave the permission? So if God had not given the permission, what was? I prophesy over your life this morning. May you find yourself in the secret place of God. That may you not worry about what comes against you. 
Because until your Jehovah God gives permission, no power can rest against you. No principality can terminate your life. You can't die before your time. That sickness cannot send you to your grave in the name of Jesus. Because the Lord is your refuge and is your fortress and is your protector in Jesus' name. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The devil cannot touch us until the Lord allows it. If you go to the verse 30, immediately he was released. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. Verse 40, he said, and the messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were, were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them. And then he said, when the Serbians raided them and took them away, indeed, they have killed the servant with the edge of the sword and I alone have escaped to tell you. When you read that place, before in a twinkle of an eye, Everything of Job was run down. Anytime the devil succeeds in taking you from the agreement of God, he will finish you. That is why he plants seeds of offense. Because offense is the easiest way to take you away from the presence of God. You are offended about God, offended about the church, offended about the pastor, offended about everything. So when you come, you have what you call a critical spirit. And whenever you start having a critical spirit, nothing blesses your life. You are as easy meat for the devil at any time. He's only grooming you to finish you. Check your heart. To be influential means to affect people's life positively. And when God got there, he told Abraham, he said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Anytime God, I'm talking about the temple of influence. Anytime God agrees with you, he will cause you to influence other people's life what? positively. And the verse 3 said, I will bless those who bless you. And I'll curse him who curses you. And you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Whenever you get to God at this level, when you are influential, anyone that gets connected to you, automatically, either by service, relationship, work, enjoys the benefit of your status. He said, whoever blesses you shall be blessed. Have you not seen a watchman or a skitty man at the gates of an IGP and he commands power. That watchman at the gate of the IGP can put you into cells. Because he knows people you don't know. By reason of proximity. Or proximity with the man of power. Anyone that passes through that gate becomes his friend. Have you two met people who works just working at the castle? And by their complimentary card. They can mesmerize your life. Yet they are not even closer to the president. That is how powerful it is. When you connect to God, you carry automatic influence. The next thing you should understand is that whoever fights or resists you will automatically have enemies or woes because everything of yours will come against that person. Whoever curses you shall be cursed. That's what God is saying. Whenever you are connected to God, like what he was doing with Abraham, he was telling him, listen, if you obey me, whoever tried to fight you, I will fight. Whenever you are in a place of honor and you are serving somebody of honor, the person, if you are valuable to the person, anything that comes against the person will fight for you. You just need to pick a phone and call and the person will rally around and they will deal with the next person. That is how powerful it is. Three, an influential person. Blessings are contagious and goes beyond generations. In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That was what God was telling me. Whenever we obey God, the blessings that not only benefit us, but it benefits generations. Tell somebody, I need that generational blessing. Tell the person, I need that generational blessing. So, what are some of the things or the principles that could easily be identified with 
the, the, the power of influence in our life. In verse, in chapter 22 of Genesis, God began to unfold in the life of, of Abraham the power of his connectivity with him, but also for him to know that this is what are the things I will take you through to accomplish that which I have said concerning you. So in the verse where I said, now it came to pass. Tell somebody, now it came to pass. So now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Let me pause here. Let me throw some light here. The wealth of a man, take note of this statement very well. The wealth of a man is in his ability to pass a test. The wealth of a man is in his ability to pass a test. The Job scripture that I read, God took Job through a test. Though the devil thought he has opportunity to destroy, God used that occasion for the test of the character of Job. To prove to the devil that Job is not serving me because of the protection, but Job is serving me because of relationship. Can I hear an amen in the house? If coming to God or relating with God is as a result of what he will give us, which is the possession, then it is wrong. But if coming to God or serving is a result of relationship, then the blessings will follow. So the devil was saying that Job does not serve you for nothing. These are the benefits. That is why he served you. And God said, I want to prove to you that it is not because of this thing that Job served, but Job is serving out of relationship. And based on that relationship, he is receiving the blessing. When you are in relationship with someone, listen, don't look for the wealth of a man. Look for his relationship. Sometimes people are quick to say, what do you have for me? What can you give me? Don't ask for money. Ask for a relationship. Because you see, when you are related with the king, whatever the king has is automatically yours. But when the king gives you, he's finished with you. Because relationship compels things to happen. Are you there with me? So he says that the wealth of a man is his ability to pass a test. And no one can trust you with anything until he has seen your heart beat towards him. No man can entrust anything into your hands until he has seen his heart, your heart beat towards him. So if you are quick to see, to get things from God, God wants to check your heart. How is your heart like? reason why a lot of people fail and they don't get things is because they are too quick to receive things when they are not ready to be broken. The next point you can get from Genesis 21 verse 1 which I'm saying is that a test reveals the true character of a person. And day in and day out we go through a sort of a test. Anytime test comes it proves your character. There are a lot of you doing well but when they test you you fail. And you know how test comes? Test comes by you being pushed to the wall. Job was pushed to the wall. His back was against the wall. And out of that place, that's when you see the true character of a person. Whether a person is truly humble, or he's humble because he needs some food to eat, or he's genuinely humble. How do you react when they attack your personality? It's a test. How do you react? When you needed food, there are some people when they need food, their mood changes. That is why Esau can sell his birthright. They cannot stand the test of anger. There are some people they cannot stand the test of money because they are so greedy and they are looking for money, and all the time they fail the test because money is presented to them. They take the money and then they end up. Some cannot stand the test of lust. So to get them is very easy present a nice woman who can easily shake her body with a tie showing somehow wiggle her waist you will fall for it you don't have character some cannot handle the test of endurance they are not patient if things are not happening well for them they as if the whole world has come to an end they have to do something to fix a problem 
What tests are you failing? The house is quiet. Am I working on some bones? Can't stand the test. There are some people you can't stand the test of drink unless they don't pass by your nose. You fall for it right now. Day in and day out. Businessmen are failing some tests. Pastors are failing. Married women, husband, children. There is God is consistently taking us through tests. Because tests will prove your character. How is your character like? Until you pass a test, you cannot be trusted with a higher assignment. Anytime you are thinking of going up, think of how you are managing your test. People cannot stand the test of relationship. They will abuse it right now. I have some friends I can no more trust and talk to. I believe you also have one. Amen. Because you try sharing something and the next time you don't have the integrity of keeping secrets. It's a test. Until you overcome that thing, you cannot be trusted with anything bigger. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Here, the lesson I want you to learn. We can never move to our next level or be influential until we are dead to what we love. If you are not dead to what you love, you can never be influential. You, mean, you know what I mean by what you love? Some of us love sleep. You love sleep so much that yet you are believing God and binding all the things you have to bind. Praying all the gangantuan prayers. And you are expecting God to lift you. He cannot do it. Because there is no blessing without a sacrifice. Without a sacrifice. If you cannot sacrifice that thing of sleep you love. You know and you know that God is calling you to read. God is talking to you to study. God is talking to you to burn the midnight candle. But you are finding it lazy to do it. And yet you are expecting that manners will fall from heaven. It doesn't work that way. Some of you ladies, your attitude is that you just want to spend everything that comes to you on your clothing and shoes. You don't have the discipline to even save. Yet you are expecting marriage. Until you die to that attitude and become disciplined, the men will come around. By the same way they came, they will exit the same way. Because your mouth will sell you. Hello? When you want to marry, learn to sacrifice what you love. You are looking for that job, you are looking for that thing, but you are not ready to sacrifice. Anything you love, if you cannot let go, you cannot get where you want to get to. Some of you love your friends so much. And yet these friends are not helping you. Until you let it go, you cannot get there. Some of you love your quick-temperedness. And that is why you, are, you cannot get anywhere until you drop that thing. Some of you are too snobbish. If you don't let go of your snobbishness, which you love so much, you will not get anywhere. Listen, being arrogant and being proud will not take you anywhere. It's a temporary joy, but it's a long-term devastation. What are you loving that is becoming a hindrance to your life? God said, give me what you love. We can never have the fullness of God until he knows we are not enslaved by the very blessings he has given us. We can never have the fullness of God until he has come to realize that we are not enslaved by the very blessings he has given us. God gives you a car and that becomes a problem. You don't even come to church again. 
God gives you a wife. And that is the end of it. God gives you a house. And your attitude changes. God gives you a nice job with good salary. And that is the end of everything. You were very committed in the, in the Bible study group. You were very committed in intercessory. You were very committed as an usher. You were very committed in doing things. Until God lifted you up. And when God lifted you up. Poo, you've arrived. Now they can't find you again. Because your status don't change now. Can I say this before I move on? I have some few minutes to end. Anytime God blesses you, it's a setup. Watch it. I thought you write it down. Don't look at me. Write it down. Anytime God blesses you, it's a setup. Watch it. Because that same blessing can enslave you. And you will start to you worship that thing. Instead of worshiping God. Anytime God makes you famous, watch it. It's a setup. It's to prove what is in your heart. You cannot genuinely know who a person is when a person is poor until the person is blessed. In fact, it's a disaster to be poor and be proud. Hello? Because Charlie, you, you don't have it. But when you see people who are truly blessed, enriched, and still humble, then you will know that it is not what they have, but they know where they came from. So it's important for you to know that. He said, and he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said to his young men stay here with the donkey the Lord and I will go yonder and worship and we'll come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together but Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said my father and he said, yeah, I am my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, yeah, I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the Lord or do anything to you. For now I know that you fear God. Since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked. And there behind him was a ram caught in a ticket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As he said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, by myself have I sworn, sayeth the Lord, because you have done this thing and I thought without your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendant as the stars of the heaven and as a sandwich of the seashore and your descendant shall possess the gate of their enemies. In your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, you realize that when Abraham did all these things, God said by himself as he sworn. Can God look at you and say that for what you have done, I, God, am vouching for you and I'm keeping my integrity at your stake. Can God say that to us? You and I. Let's check ourselves. Hello? How many of us want to be great? Tell somebody greatness comes with a price. God said that because you obeyed, I'm going to do this for you. How many of us are obedient? <laughs> Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. And to hacking than a front of rams. For disobedience is like the sin of witchcraft. First Samuel chapter 15. 
Maybe you think I'm quoting this. Can you give it to me? Let me read it. So Samuel said, As the Lord has great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Some of us think that once I can give money in church, I can give my tithe, I can give my offerings, I can serve in the choir, ushering everything, automatically God should love me. Because I buy car for the pastor, I will will give pastor money, chop money, or I eat with pastor in the house, or pastor is my body body, that is an automatic opportunity for me to move to heaven. Oh, as for me and pastor, we know ourselves, everything is all right. Listen, it doesn't work that way. Or I pray five times daily. I prophesy. I, I bind demons and they flee. I fast more than anybody in the house. In fact, my tongue is a graduated tongue. Because when I'm speaking it, you know that the earth is even shaking. Boom, boom. It does not save you. God has a principle and it does not violate the principle. He said, as the Lord has a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Do you obey God's voice? God called Abraham and said, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. He didn't ask questions. He didn't negotiate. He didn't say, God, explain to me what you are saying. A lot of us, you come to church, you hear the word, you are questioning everything. You have problems with God. You have a challenge with God. Me, I am older. I am this. I am that. I am this. Listen to me. When will you be obedient to the voice of God? So God values obedience even more than what you give. Look, you can give your body to be bent. Give everything in the world. If you don't obey God, God doesn't see it. It's part of your charity process. He said, as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey. Am I saying it or the Bible is saying it? To obey is better than what? And to heed than the fact of what? Verse 23. That is the bomb. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Before you start talking about your mother as a witch, your father as a witch, your auntie as a witch, your brother as a witch, and everybody, you alone, everybody around you is a witch. Manos you. Do you know what rebelliousness means? Let me define rebelliousness. Quickly. I'm ending. Let me define rebelliousness. From the Marian Webster Dictionary. Give me rebellion. Quickly. Hurry up. Rebel. Rebel. Out of it, we have rebel. Do we have rebels in the house? (laughs) I like the way he put it. He said, an effort by many people to change the government or leader of a country by the use of protest or violence. Open opposition toward a person or group in authority. Refusal to obey rules. Or accept normal standards of behavior, dress, etc. And that is what I want. The rest, we can leave those ones for the government and politicians. But the third one is what I'm looking for. Talking about the third. Refusal to obey what? Rules. Or accept normal standards of behavior, dress. Anytime you do that, you are a rebellious person. You come to church and say, this is where you have to sit. Me, I will not sit there. This is where I choose to see it. You have rebelled. Instantly, it's rebelliousness. Because the rule is that we usher you to sit in a place. Wear this dress. As a church worker, we need to dress nicely. Me, I have better dresses. Me, I will not wear that dress. Rebelliousness. Lift up your hands. I will not lift up my hands. Do you know who I am? Rebelliousness. So he said, whenever you disrespect rules, you are rebellious. Because you see, someone told Saul, 
Go and kill the Amalekites. Finish all of them. Saul goes, kill, and spares the best part of the animals and brings it. Ask somebody, are you rebellious? Yesterday, I was chatting with the choir and I tell them that if I am the farmer and I am in the farm and I give you corn to sow with me and my direction is that I am sowing the corn in a straight line. And so I tell you that sow the corn in a straight line. And then you put one corn here and move to another place and put it there and move to another place and put it there. Though you are sowing the corn and you expect me to applaud you for sowing, you are not sowing it according to the rule. So I will not reward you because you sow. I will reward you because you sow according to the rule. So God does not reward us because we appear. He rewards us because we follow the instructions. Simple. So it is not like, oh, I did it for you. Yes, you did it for me. But did you do it the way I wanted you to do it? So before you argue and get angry and think nobody, nobody, uh, uh, what do you call, loves you or they don't even see what you are doing and they don't even encourage you, ask yourself, did you do it the way it's expected to be done? Rules. The challenge of the black continent is that we are violators of rules. That is why the military is always seen as the most disciplined entity ever. Because before you go into it and come, the things you will go through, it will streamline your mind, your thinking, your attitude, your everything to feel fit in place. So when you enter into normal society, you don't even feel okay. Because we are unruly people. There is no order. Try introducing order in a place and there is a chaos. Rebellion. Tell somebody and ask the person, are you rebellious? Are they giving you an answer? Obeying rules are not comfortable. Show me which rule is comfortable. When you were in the boarding house, where the rules comfortable. You finish body house, you come home and your attitude changes. Because that place there is light off. Light, light out. You have break. You have to go to prep by force. You have to go to dining. Dining, you have to eat at the dining. You don't carry your food out. You do it, you'll be punished. There is under bathing, there is over bathing. And you and I, anytime you break the rules, you are punished. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Listen to me. Anytime you rebel, you are worse than a witch. I'm not saying it. And stubbornness. Stubborn. Stubborn. Refusing to change your ideas. Or to stop doing something. Difficult to deal with. That is the definition of stubborn. From the Marian Webster Dictionary. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. He is comparing stubbornness to the juju man. Who you go to. Bang, 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 you will insult the juju man. And all those Ah, this one, they are this. He said, anytime you are stubborn, you are like the juju man. So anytime you get stubborn, see yourself in the shrine. Now the alliance has in them. Society for the psychic and all that. So anytime you see yourself being stubborn, see yourself in the shrine. Stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. And he said, because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Anytime, ladies and gentlemen, don't let us take it for granted. Though I'm bringing a human aspect of it. But you see, anytime you don't follow rules, anytime you enter, because rules governs every institution. For instance, we say when you enter in here, we do praise and worship, we do intercession, we do the word is preached, we give offering, we pay our tithe, we eat communion. 
There are rules. So when you come here and say me, I will not take communion. I will not do praise and worship. I will not do intercession. You are, it's, it's stubbornness. It's disobeying the rules. Me, I will never pay my tithe. It's part of disobeying the rules. I will never give an offering. It's obey, because see, any institution you enter in, whatever is practice, you also practice. Because that is what gives the institution the sanity and whatever. Some of you at a workplace, they tell you that this is the ethics of the work. You need to dress, you need to do this, and consistently, you are not doing it. When they sack you, you will say, a devil from your father's house don't like you to work. And so anytime you get to work, they sack you. The truth is not about the devil following you or a demon. The truth is that you are stubborn and you don't want to change your ways. There is no way you can excel anywhere in the world. You see, don't let us fool ourselves with, with certain kind of prosperity messages that makes us think that once I can live anyhow and God will bless me. Any employer that employs you, workers here, listen to this and I'll conclude. Any employer that employs you, expects you to behave in a certain way. No matter who you think you are, at least for the sake of the time you are staying at the workplace, comply and obey. When you leave the walls of the place, do whatever you want to do. But as long as you are in that institution, you just have to comply. Compliance is key in greatness and becoming somebody. You cannot live the way you please to live. You have to live according to what God wants you to live. And when you live that way, you will see the glory of God. You see the favor of God. You see the blessings of God. You see the joy of God. And your peace that you are expecting shall come to you. God bless you. Rise up on your feet, somebody. Thank you very much for listening. This is a message from ICGC Yahweh Temple, East Ligon. We know you've been blessed by God's word. For more quality and practical teachings of Reverend Ismaila Abudu, visit us online at www.icgceastlegon.com or email to yahwehtempleicgc at gmail.com or call us on 057-2260-434 or 057-2260-435. You can also worship with us on Sundays from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. On Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. for our empowerment teaching service. And Fridays at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. for our breakthrough prayer service. You can also connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. God bless you. And my Lord with you, I know I'm covered. No greater